everyone, and welcome to this week's movie study. Today is a very special day because we are wrapping up our Lord of the Rings movie study. I'm really excited about this one. This one is for The Return of the King, my favorite movie of all time. Why is it my favorite movie of all time? Well, we're going to dive into it and we're going to talk about it. But guys, first of all, I want to thank you all for being a part of this movie study, for making it what it is, and just a thing that I can get up and do uh, in the mornings and record for you guys and talk about my favorite movies of all time. And uh, by the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you what's coming up uh, for the next movie study. We have a lot of things coming up, a lot of things that are going on in our little universe here at Family Hollywood Review and we're excited about it. But guys, anyway, let's get into this about The Return of the King. So The Return of the King for me is a movie that is not just a movie. It's beyond that. It's far greater than than a movie for me. It is a life event, as I try to tell people. Uh, this movie for me as I explained in the two previous weeks leading up to it, I was not allowed to watch stuff like this. I couldn't even come close to watching it, okay? Like, it was a no-no in my household. Just a no-no. And the point that I'm trying to make by saying this is that The Return of the King is a movie that, for me... When I was at my lowest point, this was there. And this was something that I could go and escape to. And to me, it's the most satisfying ending to a trilogy or to a movie ever. A lot of people complain about the endings, and we'll get into that. But this is just a solid Wonderful, beautiful film. Now, for me, let me explain to you, as I said I was going to do, a little more in depth of the story leading up to me seeing this movie. And so, when this movie came out, you have to understand, we didn't have YouTube like we do now. We didn't have all that stuff. That sound like I'm really old. I mean, now that I think about it, it's almost been 20 years ago. It's, it's crazy. But we didn't have... Um, YouTube. We didn't have the accessibility to go on and to watch trailers and to just do whatever we wanted to do at, on that. And um, I think the thing is about about this is seeing like TV spots and trailers was rare. So I will never forget um, the movie Elf came out that year. And uh, we went to go see Elf at this little local theater. And while we were there, New Line Cinema pops up on the screen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it was a trailer for The Return of the King. And I'll never forget it. It was simple. It was just really simple. But I remember it showing Aragorn and Legolas standing on the edge of the... um, of the courtyard there in Rohan and talking to each other. And I'll, I'll never forget that. So um, 
when I was in high school at the time, I had a lot of friends um, that were excited about the movie as well. They're like, man, I can't wait. This is so dope. You know, I can't wait. That's how we talked back then, right? Uh, <laughs> once again, I, like I'm super old. I'm only 33. But that's how we talked. And uh, we couldn't wait for it. And I remember that there was this one girl that she was – we would start talking amongst each other. And she had read the books. And I had read uh, The Fellowship of the Ring and most of the two towers at this point. But I knew that Shelob was going to be in this. So I stopped. And uh, I just I, – I didn't want to want to read it. Now, my brother, he had read uh, all – well, he had read both full books – and he wanted to go read the third, and I made him hold off on it and not read the third, <laughs> just because I, uh, I, you know, wanted to treat him like that, <laughs> and I wanted him to suffer with me. But I remember that this girl at school that I went with, and she knew the ending because she had read the books, and so we would have these conversations uh, amongst ourselves, and the girl would always be like off in the corner, off to herself. And we would start saying, oh, I wonder if this is going to happen. And I remember she would start shaking her head. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, and then I remember she was talking, and this is not a spoiler. You know, if you've not seen The Lord of the Rings, then that's fine. Um, we had said something uh, along the fact of people dying in the movie, and she comes out with, well, Frodo dies. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I was so mad. You know, I, I leaned over to her and I said, why would you say that? Why would you do that? Why would you try to ruin something for someone? Like, why would you be that way? And, um, you know, uh, years later, I would still give the same response, I believe, you know, if someone had ruined it for me. Uh, luckily, uh, it didn't get ruined. But, you know, you, you go through all these things and you're just like, whatever. So I watched The Two Towers in September, right? So I had October, November, and most of December to go. Let me tell you, those were the longest two and a half months. Well, three and a half months, I guess. Well, no, two and a half months of my life. It seemed like the movie was never going to come out. It was never going to be on there for us to, you know, go see. And uh, it was just taking absolutely forever before we ever had a chance to go see it. And I remember, and I, I still think to this day, that I will never be as excited as I was to see that. And, you know, recently we just had the... Um, the latest uh, sequel trilogy in Star Wars. And I was pretty dang excited about those, but man, like it's just, it's not, not the same, you know? Um, and uh, I, I love these movies, you know, so much. And, and I had really gotten into the world and the lure at that point. And um, so I, I, I kind of just felt like, you know, this needs to hurry up and this needs to get here. And uh, finally it did. I'll never forget. December December 17th, 
2003. And I'll never forget that uh, that day I had a project due at school and I forgot to do the project. And it was like something stupid. I mean, I was in like ninth grade at the time. It was literally something like a leaf project or something crazy and stupid like that, you know. And uh, like, why am I doing a leaf project at this age, you know? And uh, we went to a very Christian school. Like it was very, you know, private, exclusive and, you know, whatever. Um, And I've forgotten to do it. So I asked my mom, I was like, hey, uh, can I just go into school late today? And I went to, uh, she approves because I had to get it done. And I remember sitting down and turning on Regis and Kathy Lee, or uh, Regis and Kelly, I guess, at the time. I don't know which one it was. I think it was Regis and Kelly, actually. And Elijah Wood was on there, and he was talking about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And they showed a clip from the movie, and I was just, you know, over the moon. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so awesome. And this is going to be exciting. You know, I just I couldn't believe it. And... um Man, did I have so much fun with that. Then I went to school, and uh, I got there like at 10 or 11, something like that. And uh, I remember the kids at school were like, oh, John's here, John's here. And uh, I bet you he went this morning and saw Return of the King. I was like, no, guys, I I wish I have. And so that night, you know, it was like we only had, I think it was our last day of school or something. I I don't remember, but... um, all I know is, is that, uh, uh, before the Christmas break, I mean, and we had to go to church. We had a Christmas party at church and our movie started at eight o'clock. I'll never forget it. And so we're at the, 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 uh, party at church. Now, listen, I was raised in a home. You don't leave church early. You don't leave until it's over, you know, kind of thing. And, um, but this time was a special time and we got to leave early we got to uh, leave church early, and we headed out. And we got there to the theater, all ready to go. And my friend uh, Aaron was there with me, and we went. And he sat next to me uh, as we were waiting for the movie to start. It was just something that was a lot of you know a lot of fun. Watched the movie, thought it was amazing, uh, beyond amazing, actually. And I remember walking out of the theater with my head held so high. And I was just so proud of what I had just seen. And as I was leaving, I remember a a friend of mine from my part-time job that I had was there. uh, And he was like, hey, how was it? I was like, oh, it's awesome. You know, and the line behind us was just so long. It was ridiculous. This was before midnight releases and all that stuff. And like the day of the show, you know, these movies didn't start till you know, six or seven, eight, whatever it was back then. But looking at this and, and seeing um, how I felt, you know, I, I ended up going to the theater five times to see it. I convinced my mom to take me five times <laughs> because that's how much I love this movie. So enough about how I got to see it and that experience, but I just wanted to go into to it with you. I spent about 10 minutes going into that with you. So let's dive into this movie. Movie starts out, you have this weird creature called Gollum, 
And you finally get to see the background of what's going on with him. Uh, you see that he was Smeagol, of course, and his friend Deagle at the beginning. They find the ring in the river, and then they fight over it, and Smeagol chokes him to death. And uh, then you just see the um, decomposition of Smeagol as a person. He starts becoming this evil person uh, to the point to where he says, He's, have we forgot the taste of bread? And, you know, we've even forgot our own name. And um, it just shows this long thing of him just being obsessed and how he got his little golem cough that he has. And that ends. We cut to Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam are in a little culvert uh, area. And um, really starts this whole thing of this last bit where Sam gives Frodo the last of the food, you know, he, he were not in the last of the food, but he doesn't eat. And so he's trying to ration it, he says, and Frodo says, ration it for, for what? And he says, well, for the journey home. And, you know, Elijah Wood, as Frodo gives him this look like, you know, that's the sweetest thing ever, but I don't know if we're going to make it home, you know, kind of thing. Um, and we cut over to Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli and they have arrived to Isengard and Merry and Pippin are there uh, enjoying some well-earned comforts as they say uh, eating and smoking with the salted pork and uh, you know they have their time there and they they have this conversation and and basically uh, now we're covering the extended edition so if you've not seen the extended edition go and watch it because what I'm about to cover now, you have not seen. Um, the the crew rides up, the fellowship rides up to the the gates of Orthanc. And there, uh, locked in his tower, is Saruman. And Saruman comes out. And one of my favorite scenes in this whole thing, I was so disappointed when this wasn't in the theatrical version because I knew about it. I told you my brother had read the full two towers and he had told me about it. And I'm like, Oh dang. Like, you know, cause he had said it to me, like, I don't know if this is going to be in there or not, but you know, we'll get to that and you know, we'll see. Um, and it was just like this whole thing, this camaraderie of, of, you know, here we go. We have this and, uh, we're going to confront him right here, right now. And Saruman comes out and he tries to use his words and he he tries to, you know, really uh, pit each other against each other. And it, it just fails, you know. And uh, so he's up top. And so what they do, and, and going into the study part of it, if you have read the books, or if you haven't, in the books, uh, this scene does happen, but very, very different Um where Saruman tries to use his voice to um, turn each other against them against each other. And uh, he, he fails of course. And then the Palantir is there um, as well as you see when, when in the movie it, Saruman gets killed and he falls off and the Palantir falls out and Pippin picks up the Palantir. But in the book, um, this is very similar, but the thing is, is that, Gandalf and Worm, or I'm sorry, Saruman and Wormtongue survive, and then 
they go off to the Shire and take over the Shire. This is not in the movie version at all. This is not in the extended edition. In the extended edition, both of them die at Orthanc and Isengard. So we could get into a whole discussion about this. I totally understand why this was done. Uh, I guess I can understand why it was done in the book, but I like this version better. It makes more sense to me. Um, I like the fact that the Shire is never touched, never um, bothered in the films. And uh, I mean, I'm sure there was things that happened. I, I mean, I know there was in the books, but like, I just feel like this was something that, you know, um, just um, shouldn't have been done in the movies. It would have been way too long. And the movie right now, uh, I have it going on in the background. It's four hours and 20 minutes. As I'm staring at it, I'm just letting it play. Uh, I'm 25 minutes into the film as I'm looking at it, and there's three hours and 57 minutes. So you add another half hour to 45 minutes to that, you would have to explain that in that amount of time. You couldn't do it in 10 minutes, probably. You could, but it would be like super weird and out of place. But anyway, we're going to keep going on. We're going to keep talking about this. So we cut back to Frodo and Sam, and Frodo and Sam are going through all these things that, uh, you know, with Gollum. They're trying to find their way out, and, and Gollum's leading them. And uh, then we cut back to Rohan, and they're all celebrating, you know, hail the victorious dead. And, uh, you know, it's just like this, this unsettling feeling. And, and Gandalf and Aragorn have this conversation of, you know, basically, do you think Frodo was alive? And, and Gandalf goes, I, I just don't know. And then Aragorn says, well, what does your heart tell you? And he says, well, that Frodo was alive. And uh, just, just beautiful, beautiful scene. Come back to Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam are sleeping. Gollum have his, has this conversation with himself, and Sam overhears him about you know the plot to kill him to kill them, and they get into this huge fight. And he's saying, "Look, Mister Frodo, he's a villain. He's nothing better than that. He's a villain. That that's all he is." And um, they continue to have this conversation, and then we cut back to Rohan and Pippin is he wants that plant here. He looks into the Palantir, Sauron shows up, sees Pippin, and now Pippin is in trouble, not only with his friends, not only is Gandalf mad at him, but Sauron saw him. And now that Sauron has seen him, it's just going to make things a lot more difficult. And it's just going to make things crazy at this point. So... At this point, Gandalf is talking to everyone. He says, you know, Pippin didn't lie. He didn't tell him about Frodo and the ring. He's, but here's the deal. You all got to be ready. I'm going to Gondor. I've seen something that's happened. There was a white tree that was burning uh, that uh, Pippin said. But here's the deal. I'm going. You get your crap together. I'm going to go warn uh, Gondor of what's coming. That white tree burning, as he describes and I'm going to go tell him. And then, you know, of course, they have this conversation and, and, and Theoden says, why should we ride to the help of those that did not come to ours? And, you know, it's just like this this exchange between 
Aragorn and Theoden, like, I'm going to kill you, um, you know, kind of thing. And and so Gandalf says to Aragorn, you know, because Aragorn volunteers to go, he says, no, I need you to come by a different road, you know, go go by the road to the south. And, you know, Aragorn's kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. But Gandalf knows, you know, what's coming up and what needs, to, what's going to happen and what's going to be done. And um, so Gandalf takes Pippin with him. And, you know, Pippin's very... Uh, upset and he's very you know like i don't know what's going to happen here and i don't know um i'm scared you know kind of moment gandalf takes him uh off to gondor with him and then we cut over to uh arwen who is leaving for the undying lands and as she's leaving for the undying lands she sees this vision of this boy that runs right across her and uh, as she sees it, you know, she sees this whole vision that the boy is her son and that Aragorn is holding him. And so she sees this future with Aragorn and she just feels like she just feels cheated that Elrond didn't tell her these things, you know. And it's just this moment where she just turns around and she goes back to Elrond. She says, you saw him. You saw my son. And he says, I looked into your future and I saw death. And so basically, going into our study, basically Elrond describes exactly what ends up happening to Arwen. And it's a sad ending. And when I think about it, um, it's very tragic. Very tragic. But... You know, it, it's this thing of, no, I don't care if I have to spend a million life ages on the earth without you. It's that time with you that I had that makes things well worth it. That is true love. And that's what we're learning here, that, that Arwen loves Aragorn so much that it doesn't matter. And then forget the... Um, a side note that our friend Figwit is in here. And, uh, of course, as the cast says, Frodo is great. Who is that? Um, but anyway, go. Arwen goes back to Elrond, says all these things, and she tells him to reforge the sword. And, you know, Elrond's very, you know, he sees the future, but he wants, you know, his daughter to be safe. He wants his daughter to be okay. And, uh, then Elrond, of course, approves for the sword to be um, put back together, the sword of Anduril, which I have hanging up here in my office, and it looks beautiful. Wish you guys could see it right now. But these things, you know, lead lead to all the preparation of the king coming back, of the return of the king, right? So these things, uh, these scenes, I think, are what, makes this movie so great and makes it far above anything else. So Gandalf and Pippin, they get to Minas Tirith, right? They get to the top. They ride through the city. They get to the top. They walk by the tree. There's the white tree. And Pippin recognizes it. So as they're getting ready to walk into the throne room, he says, you know, uh, you know, the steward is Boromir's father. You don't need to mention it. <laughs> you do not need to mention this. So they go in and they <laughs> see the steward. And the first thing Pippin does is 
he notices that Denethor, Lord Denethor, has uh, Boromir's horns, uh, horn in his hands, and he and he tells him, well, you know, basically he was shot by many arrows, and Gandalf is just like, oh my gosh, you know, and Pippin offers himself into, uh, you know, Denethor's service, and um, something that, you know, he, Gandalf's like, oh my gosh, like, why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. That was stupidity on your part. You you definitely shouldn't have done that. And uh, and one of my favorite lines come come in this is is Denethor's talking to him. You know he's being very, um, you know he's being a jerk. And he and he tells Gandalf. He says, you know, uh, you're saying all these things. The orcs are the you know Sauron's coming. And he says, do you think the eyes of the White Tower are blind now? It is suspected, it hasn't been confirmed, but it is suspected that in the books that Denethor actually had a plantier. And I, I believe if I go back, I'll have to look at people that are listening to this, please. I, I didn't do my research before I restarted. These are things that I've learned over the years, but I'm pretty sure that Denethor had one. And that's why he was able to see uh, what was coming. And... Um, one of my favorite lines, you know, he he starts to talk to to uh, to Gandalf, and he says, "I know who rides with you, this Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and I tell you now, I will not bow to this ranger from the north." And Gandalf says to him, "Authority is not given to you to deny the return of the king." And man, I just got chills when I said that because that to me is just like that's you know as. Uh, you know, cinema sense says, bing, roll credits. Uh, <laughs> when you get to that Return of the King line, but it's just so great. You know, and he says, I don't want to listen to this wizard people. And so Gandalf is mad and Gandalf is like, I'm out of here. And he says, all these things happen. And then he fell and all the key, the great kings of old. And then Isildur is the reason why these things started falling. And then they look across from outside of the courtroom at the end of the long pyre that's, uh, or the, uh, long, um, I guess it's a pyre. I'm not really sure. It's just a long, uh, you know, the, the thing that sticks out in front of, uh, uh, <laughs> of the, uh, Minas Tirith. Uh, they walk down this long stone tablet table, whatever it is. And, uh, they look out to Mordor and he goes, yes, there it lies, you know, and, and all these things are about to happen. And this is not good. This is not good. Let me just tell you. This is not good. Go back to Frodo and Sam. They are walking. They go through the crossroads, and you see them. Um, you see them actually. Uh, you know, to the point to where they, um, see this old statue that was there, that was left over from you know back in the Second Age, where the orcs have taken it over and they have done their own thing to it. You cut back to Frodo or to Gandalf. And nighttime has fallen. Osgiliath is being attacked and overrun. And then all of a sudden, uh, Pippin and Gandalf are having this conversation. And Gandalf's just kind of worried. And, uh, you know, Pippin says to him, yeah, but we have the white wizard. And, uh, you know, Gandalf looks very, very nervous. And he says, you know, Sauron is yet to unleash his deadliest servant. He's the witch king of Agmar. He's the one that stabbed Frodo on Weathertop. And uh, at this point, you know, Bibbin looks a little more scared. 
He's like, okay, here we go. You know, this is this is scary. And as they're standing there talking, I cut back to Frodo and Sam, who are with Gollum, who have found their way to the steps. They start to get to the steps. And it's like this moment where Frodo has this, where he's drawn in. And he starts going up to, to Minas Morgul, which is where the steps are. And he starts to walk forward. And then here comes the Witch King in all of his glory. And he is standing there above the top. And then the doors open as he screeches out. And here comes his army of orcs while they are distracted. It cuts back to uh, Frodo or to Gandalf and Pippin. And the big spire shoots up into the sky as a warning for war that is coming. So, you know, at this point, it's just like, okay, this has started, this has happened. And then Frodo and Sam, who are across the valley there from where Gandalf can see, starts to crawl up the stairs. And uh, we're going to leave Frodo and Sam for a little while because this is what they do for a good maybe hour of the film. I'm not sure if it's quite an hour, but it's a bit. It's it's at least about 30 minutes, 40 minutes of this. Um. As the battle continues and goes on, you know, uh, Gandalf is like, okay, look, these, you know, Denethor is not going to do this. He's not going to warn people, so he needs to light the beacons to call for aid. So he sends Pippin up to send to light up those beacons so they will call for aid. And it's a beautiful scene just going around uh, that of New Zealand or quote unquote M- Middle Earth, uh, showing all the pyres being being lit. Um, beautiful stuff. This whole fight going back to Osgiliath, you know, Osgiliath is overrun. There's nothing that they can do. They have to come out. They have to come out and run to, um, run to, uh, to Minas Tirith. And then Gandalf meets him in the middle in one of the most beautiful cinematic scenes of all time. As they're running back, Gandalf comes across the field, throws up his staff, and a big bolt of uh, just a huge ray of light comes out of a staff and blinds the Nazgul so they cannot touch them. It's beautiful. It's well enough for them to run into the city of Minas Tirith and to, you know, be calm. And uh, at this point, they come in and, uh, you know, Faramir starts to talk about what's going on and stuff. And he gives, you know, Pippin this weird look like I've, I've seen you before. And Gandalf says to him, this is not the first Hobbit you've seen. And he says, you seen Frodo and Sam? He says, yes, not two days ago, a path of Athelion. And uh, then he tells him, you know, they're taking the uh, the stairs in Carathongle. And Gandalf has this horrible look. And he says, tell me everything. And then they go and have this conversation with, with Denethor and Denethor, of course, doesn't want to listen. He's like, you know, you you've got to go back out there. You've got to take Osgiliath. And he says, my lord, Osgiliath is overrun. And he's just not listening, you know, at this point. But overall. It's just this difficult time and difficult scene. Then we cut back to Frodo and Sam. And I guess we're going to cut back to him a little earlier than what I said. Um and they they're having this whole talk here of of um you know Gollum and and Sam you know basically and you know Sam's like trying to be like oh you know kind of mean to you whatever but I don't trust you 
And while they're asleep, you know, Gollum has taken the Limbus bread that they had. And he sprinkles it. He throws it down. He sprinkles it on Sam. So there's crumbs there. And uh, here's the famous line coming up here where, um, you know, he's trying to say that, you know, Gollum ate it. He did it. And Frodo's like, no, he doesn't eat it. He can't eat it. And then Gollum says, oh, look, what's this? Crumbs. And he said, he took it. And uh, so basically he tells, you know, Gollum, get out of here. And Frodo goes, no, Sam, it's you. Go home. And there's this whole thing like Sam is broken. Now, this is not in the book. And this does not happen in any shape in the book. But I do understand why they did it. They needed Frodo to go into the lair of the beast we're about to talk about separately. Makes total sense why it was done, right? You know, it's just, it has to be done. And he sends him away and all these things are going on and they come back and, you know, Faramir is is riding down, going to take Osgiliath, you know, try to take Osgiliath back by force. It just doesn't happen, right? doesn't even come close to happening. And he goes back, and now Denethor is like, oh, my son, my son is dead. And, of course, he's not done, or not dead. And he's running his mouth and and all this stuff. And then we cut back to camp, and we see that, that there's this really strange road that has this huge crack in it where they're at their tent. And Aragorn is, you know, kind of looking at it, and Gimli and... Uh, Legolas and Aomir have this conversation about this mountain is evil. And uh, Aragorn kind of looks down there and he sees like this little ghostly character. And, you know, Gimli stops him and says, hey, let's get some food. So that part, you know, is just like, what the heck is this, you know, going on here? Um, and, um, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time on Eowyn. Eowyn, um, she has her importance, you know, she's. She's a good character. You know, I, I like her character. She's sweet. But, um, you know, it's just one of these things, like, as the audience member, you're always feeling like she's after Aragorn, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, no, that's that's Arwen's man. You know, you don't need to touch that. And uh, and I just love the fact that, you know, she believes in Mary so much, even though, like, Aemir may not. She believes that Mary could fight, you know. And, uh while they're all sleeping, this uh, hooded figure arrives and uh, wants to speak with Aragorn. And, of course, Theoden calls Aragorn into his tent. And it is Elrond. And Elrond, of course, hands over the sword that was reforged, Anduril, Flame of the West, over to Aragorn. And he says, you know, basically he says, let's just put it in a nutshell. It's time for you to stop running. It's time for you to be who you were born to be. Take up your throne and be the king. And Aragorn just, you know, he knows at this point. And, um, of course, Elrond tells him that Arwen is dying because she's given up the mortal life. And, you know, this is the path that she's chosen. And then everything gets real from here. I mean, everything's been real, but everything gets real from here. And... He tells him to take the Dimwalt Road and to go uh, and seeking these these characters. There were these men who 
uh, pledged an oath to, um, to, uh, I'm sorry, Isildur, and Isildur cursed them because they turned away and they didn't do what they were supposed to do, right? And we could spend an hour on that story, but basically, they turned away, and then so Isildur cursed them. So they lived out the rest of their days, and when they died, of course, they were cursed, and they couldn't leave, and they could not go off to the Undying Lands because they were cursed to be here. So a prophecy was spoken that need shall drive him, and eventually, basically meaning that someone would need these this army to assist them, to help them. And we're about to get into some differences here because there is a difference on this. But we're going to get into that. And so Gandalf uh, is in Minas Tirith with Pippin. Frodo and Sam are climbing up, or Frodo now is climbing up the, the steps. And Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli take off to the Jumwalt Road. And as they're going down this road, they enter this cave. And above it says, uh, the way is shut. It was made for those that are dead and the dead keep it. The way is shut. And Aragorn says, I do not fear death. And he goes in, walks in, Legolas and Gimli are behind him. Gimli's scared out of his mind, you know. <laughs> He's just like, this is not what I had planned on doing today. And they go in, they're going through um, all these areas trying to find this, you know, one area. And, of course, Legolas can see that the dead follow because, you know, he's an elf. He can see things that most people can't see. And as they uh, go into this main courtroom area, I guess, um, or throne room area, uh, the king of the dead comes out. And, uh, you know, at this point, in my opinion, I would be scared out of my mind. Aragorn is just confident and he's like, nope, you know, I am not going to listen to you. I'm not going to sit here and, uh, and, you know, listen to your bull, basically. And the King of the Dead, you know, basically says, well, you know, who are you to come in here and the dead do not suffer the living to pass. And as he tries to strike him, Aragorn blocks him, and the king of the dead is just so confused. And Aragorn says, you will suffer me. And as he blocks it, he goes, that line was broken, but it has been remade. And so Aragorn says, I, I urge you to fulfill your oath and be free of this waking death. They disappear. We don't know what's going on. And all these things start to happen. All these uh, skulls start coming out and and coming down. And they're trying to get out of there real quick. And so Aragorn comes out on the other side. And he's standing there. And he's standing there. And he's uh, and he sees the Corsair ships. This, this is what they were supposed to do. Uh, we didn't cover that. But Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas were supposed to go out this way. Stop the Corsair ships from coming because they knew about these men uh, coming from the um, from the sea. And so, you know, Aragorn has this look where he's just like, tears are running down his face and he's just sad of what has happened, you know. And 
he's looking because it's so des- you know desperate they've they've burned up a city that they were at and it just looks hopeless and and bleak and then the king of the dead arises out of the rock and he says we fight cuts back to gondor gondor is under siege at this point they are there's so many people that are um coming against or so many orcs that are coming against them. And um, it is just mayhem like crazy. The Witch King has arrived. The Witch King is, you know, um, running, you know, ruling over this place, and he is reigning holy terror over everyone here. He's taking people, throwing them away. And then we intercut with that, and and Denethor is trying to burn Faramir alive. He's trying to kill him. And so... Uh, Pippin at this point is like trying to run off and tell him like, hey, 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 Gandalf, you know, he's trying to burn Faramir alive. All this stuff is going on and like, it's just ultimate chaos going on at this point. And, uh, and he comes and gets him and tells him and Gandalf takes off with, with Pippin. And as they're getting up there, uh, to the, uh, as they're getting up to the, uh, to the place that they need to go, they the orcs can't break the door the door down, right? They can't do it, and they're like, "There's nothing that we can breach it." Which comes to my favorite part in the film, uh, well, the halfway point in the film, and um, uh, Gothamog tells one of the orcs, he says, "Grand will breach it because the door can't be breached, right?" And he says, "Bring up the wolf's head." Now, if you have the DVD version or or the Blu-ray version, you know what I'm talking about. That they bring up Grand. It is uh, like a battering ram, but Grand is a a uh, homage to Morgoth's uh, sword that he had his hammer, and uh, and that's why they bring up the wolf's head. So all these orcs are sitting there and they hear Grand, Grand. Grand, grand, and then if you're watching it on the disc, it cuts off. That's your halfway point. Come back to that. Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are standing on the side of the shore, uh, watching these Corsair ships come by, and uh, and Aragorn says, "You may go no further." Of course, the leader of the the captain of the ship goes, "Who are you to de- uh, deny to deny us passage?" And uh, he says, me and this army. And he says, what army? <laughs> and here comes the the dead uh, army that comes out. And, of course, Peter Jackson has his cameo right here, too. He's someone that gets killed by an arrow. And then the ships are taken over. Now, here's the difference. In the book, this is the only thing that the army of the dead do, is they help them clear out these ships and these people uh, on these ships. So, at this point... This is where where it is different, of course. And, uh, yeah, so completely different. Completely, you know, um, thing because they do not come to the Battle of Minas Tirith. Cut back to Frodo. Frodo has reached the top of the tunnel. He goes into the tunnel. He realizes something is not right here. Something is odd. Something's off. There's a terrible smell. He runs... 
into spider webs. He starts to fall down. He falls down into this big well of spider webs. He, he can't see what's going on. And as he's stuck in the corner, he hears the voice of Galadriel say, This is the light of Elendil, our most beloved star. Let it be a light for you in dark places when all other lights go out. Frodo then grabs the light of Elendil. It says, Light Elendil Alikalima. And then the light comes on. Now, listen, going into the movie study, those of you, um, you know, it might not be that big of a deal for you, this part, but this part is awesome for me. And I'll tell you why it's awesome. Because I am a Pentecostal Christian. I believe in the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can take over, uh, you know, without trying to get too non-understandable for those that listen may not be believers. Um, this is really cool because it is like reminiscent of what the Holy Spirit can do by, you know, speaking through you. And in the book, you know, Tolkien describes this as something came over him. And he just spoke something, um, you know, uh, of this line, which, which makes it just awesome and just makes it cool. So Frodo is going through this. And of course, Shelob comes out. Shelob, the great spider, the spawn of Ungoliant. And uh, <clears throat> he starts to run away from Shelob. He's getting trapped in all these webs. And of course, his sword, his sting gets lost. And uh, the light of Elendil gets lost as well at this point. So what can he do? What what can he uh, do at this point as he runs away? He gets away from him for a minute. And then Gollum jumps on him. And basically Frodo says, you know, I have to destroy it, Smeagol, after they have a little their spat. And then this realization on Smeagol's face that, oh, crap, he's going to destroy this ring. You know, at this point... Gollum loses his mind and tries to kill Frodo. And then Frodo, of course, kicks him over, knocks him down this little hill. And then Sam is <clears throat> on the opposite side. And he's crawling down the steps and he falls down. And at this point, um, you know, Sam's hurt. And then he sees the Lambus bread that has, you know, been thrown down at the bottom of the steps, right? And... um this anger overtakes him. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. At this exact point, it is halfway through the movie. So even though if you were watching the DVDs um, and you had to take that break, this is the halfway point right here. And um, so we cut back to that. They get back to the top there. Uh, and then Frodo is saying, you know, I'm so sorry, Sam. And he's... Uh, Walking off, and then he falls, hits the ground, and hears and sees Galadriel. And Galadriel says, if you don't find a way, no one will. Puts her hand out, pulls Frodo up. He starts walking, starts going. Cuts back to this scene, and Frodo thinks he's loose, and here comes Shelob outside of this. Spins around, turns around, boom. Gets him in the gut without him ever seeing. Sticks, his, sticks her sticker in him, as the orc says. And uh, Frodo starts to foam at the mouth, and of course, Shelob wraps him up. 
And as she's doing that, we see a hand come into view with Sting. And Sam begins to fight Shelob. And it's a pretty good fight. You know, they, they go on for a little bit. You know, it's about. And they start to fight. And everything's going down. And uh, Sam rolls around. And, you know, stabs Shelob. Gets her right in the gut. Right in the gut. And uh, she backs off and leaves. Of course, Sam runs over. Sam runs over and he sees he sees this. And uh, he just uh, is thrilled. You know, that or not thrilled, I'm sorry. Uh, he is devastated that uh, this has happened. And he thinks Frodo is gone. And of course, the orcs start to come. And he grabs Frodo. You don't know what's what's happened exactly. Um, but he hides and they take Frodo off. Little be notes that actually Sam took the ring, which we discover a little bit later. Cut back to Denethor and Faramir. Denethor is under the impression that Faramir's dead or he knows he's alive. I think he knows he's alive. And he starts to say, you know, there's no hope for men. And the white tree comes into view, and there is one flower blooming on the tree. Love it. Just absolutely love it. You know, Gandalf shows up, and he rescues Faramir from this burning pyre that, that Denethor is trying to put him on. And, of course, Denethor catches fire. He runs to the ends of the city and jumps off, and war commences. War continues, right? And um, at this point, you know, you see all these things that are happening and going on, and it's very dark. It just doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. And while Gandalf is on his way up, I wanted to talk about this. While Gandalf is on, on his way up to save Faramir, the Witch King encounters him. And the Witch King, you know, basically blows up his staff. And he says to him, do you not know death when you see it? Old man. One of my favorite <laughs> lines all the time. My wife um, laughs at me because I, I do that all the time. If I see an old man or something like that, I'll say it like that. Um, and then, of course, the Rohirrim show up. Theoden and all the Rohirrim show up. And the Witch King goes off. And, uh, you know, it's... Just awesome. And they ride to this fight. And Theoden gives a speech that's just amazing. Amazing. And I don't even want to say it because I don't even want to uh, do it in injustice by trying to quote it. But it's amazing. And at this point, they join into the war. And we're going we're gonna to skip a little bit forward because there's so much to talk about. We could be here for four hours talking about this film. And as we skip forward a little bit, they start to fight in this battle and the Easterlings show up and the Easterlings arrive and they're fighting the Easterlings. They have the Oliphants and everything, it seems like it's going okay. And, you know, they're having victory, you know, and the Witch King shows up on the battlefield and just rips Theoden apart, throws him down on the ground and he's about to feast on his flesh as he tells his fell beast to do. When Eowyn shows up, and Eowyn stands in front and says, you will not touch him, and, uh, you know, then starts to proceed to fight the Witch King. 
And then, of course, the famous line where he says, you fool, no man can kill me. And then she takes off her mask and says, I am no man, and stabs him in the face. Great fight. Really awesome. If you watch the behind the scenes on that, they took a long time to do that. Miranda Otto was just spent when they got to the end of it. Theoden, of course, is broken in half, and he passes on to the Great Halls. And um, at this point, Eowyn passes out. All this crazy stuff is going on. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli show up with the army of the dead while all this is going on. And everything clears out, and they have won won the battle. And uh, then we move on to afterwards, uh, Eomir sees Eowyn laying there, and he screams out, no, 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 no. And then we cut to the House of Healing, where in the books, Aragorn has the ability to heal people. And we get to see just a couple of minutes of this in the movie as he's, you know, healing Eowyn. And, you know, he goes around and he heals all these different people. And he's like literally drained of of power, you know, at this point. And um, Eowyn wakes up and then she's starting to look around. And that's when she sees Faramir and he's looking at her like, well, hello, uh, <laughs> you know, point. And then we come to the great debate. Uh Actually, no. We come to the Kareth Ungol first. Frodo's locked up. They're looking through his things. They see this shiny shirt. And, uh, you know, Frodo's like, oh, crap. You know, what's going on here? And there, and two orcs, uh, Shagrat, uh, is arguing over this uh, shiny shirt. And then he sees Frodo laying there. Of course, the one orc takes off and runs away and with, with the uh, Mithril. And... Uh, Sam shows up as the orc says, I'm going to stick you like a stuck pig. And Sam says, not if I stick you first. He gets there and shows up and Frodo's like, oh no, you know, the ring is gone. And he says, no, I'm sorry. They haven't taken it. I took it. And Sam had taken the ring. He said, I wanted to keep it safe. He said, I thought you were gone, you know, and basically Sam wants to finish the mission, you know, uh, of what's happened. And, uh, as Sam gets there, though, let's let's go back for just a second. As Sam gets there, uh, this was filmed, but Peter Jackson didn't put it in the movie. In the book, um, Frodo or Sam approaches the Tower of Carathongal, and there is like this almost like unholy force field that is in front of the two statues in the front. If you've noticed it in the movie, it does focus on those statues. That's a small homage to it, but Peter Jackson filmed this, and this is what's in the books. As Sam approaches it, he can't get through the force field, right? He keeps, you know, walking up to it, and he can't get through it. Well, um, he pulls out the light of Elendil. When he turns on the light of Elendil, he is able to walk through. Just amazing, amazing scene. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to the commentary on this, and Peter Jackson said they did film it. I don't know why they didn't put it in it. I mean, it literally would have taken about 15 seconds probably to show that, but I guess he just didn't feel like it was important enough to the story to do so. But um, that being said, you know, I, I feel like that should have been in there, but it it wasn't. It wasn't in there at all. Uh, so... Frodo comes to the or Sam comes to the rescue. They have this whole conversation, you know, like let's get you down. 
Let's get going. Let's let's do this. And then the last debate happens in the throne room and at the um, and um, Minas Tirith. And basically, what this what this comes up is like you know we have to distract Sauron. We have to you know get him to look elsewhere. Keep him blind to all else that moves, you know, um, kind of thing. And, you know, Gandalf is like, no, he'll suspect a trap. And and Aragorn says, no, I, I don't think he will. And then cuts to Aragorn. And, of course, he goes into the throne room and he sees the Palantir. He takes the Palantir. He puts his hand on it and he shows himself to Sauron. And he says... Long have you haunted me, and long have I eluded you, but no more. And then he throws up the sword Anduril, and he says, Behold the sword of Elendil. And at this point, you know, the power of Sauron is so thick that he somehow rips off the necklace from around uh, Aragorn's neck, and it breaks into pieces. Cut to... Here they are. The army is formed. They are heading to the Black Gate. So we could go through so many things here. But I want to spend some time on Frodo and Sam. Because this is where the story gets really good. Right? And, I mean, the whole thing's been awesome. Don't, don't you know, get me wrong. But I want to spend this this portion of Frodo and Sam... And let me tell it to you like it's told in the book, right? So Aragorn, Gimli, Gandalf, and Legolas, they all, and Merry and Pippin, Eomir, all of them head towards the Black Gate. They get to the Black Gate. They're trying to d- give distraction here. And let's, go, let's talk about Frodo and Sam. So Frodo and Sam are walking up this, this hill, or walking down this hill, and they get trapped in this orc, um, like, little camp. And they have to kind of pose as the orcs, right? And it's 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 awesome because, you know, <laughs> they start to fight. And, you know, it's like, great, you know, we're caught. And there's this big, scary orc that's not dumb. And he sees what's going on. He kind of recognizes, like, something's not right about them. And uh, they start to fight and they get away. So um, let's cut back to Aragorn real quick. Uh, and Aragorn goes up to the black gate and he says, let the Lord of the black land come forth. Let justice be done upon him. The black gate opens, but there's this character that comes out. It's not Sauron. It's not an Asgul. It's nothing like that. This character is called the mouth of Sauron. The mouth of Sauron is Sauron's mouthpiece, obviously. That's why it's called the mouth of Sauron. So basically, he's like his right-hand man. He is like the Grima Wormtongue to Theoden, almost. He comes out. And, you know, he's not scared. But at least he doesn't show it. And basically, you know, he says to them, you know, uh... We know that you're here. You know, you can act a certain way if you want to act a certain way. But here's the deal. 
And it really shows <clears throat> Sauron's vulnerability at this moment because Sauron's confused. He's not sure what's going on. And uh, the mouth of Sauron says, you know, who am I going to, ex- you know, exchange, you know, words with, basically, just dumbing it, dumbing it down for you guys. And Gandalf's like, we're not here to exchange words. And here's the deal. Sauron's to leave and never return. He's to leave the land and never return. And here's the deal. <clears throat> and, of course, the uh, mouth of Sauron thinks that's funny. And he says, oh, Greybeard. And um, he says, I have a token I was bidden to show thee. Throws up the mithril vest of Frodo. At this point, despair hits them. What's going to happen? What has happened? And it's like, Frodo is dead. Sauron has the ring. Or does he have the ring? And uh, in this scene, the mouth of Sauron tells Gandalf, you know, basically that Frodo suffered greatly at the hand of his host. And that, you know, how could, you know, it's so sad that someone so small should should endure so much pain. Gandalf is broken. Aragorn says, I've had enough of you. And he starts to ride up and he goes, oh, what is this? The heir of Isildur. It takes more than a broken elvish blade to make you king. Aragorn pulls out his sword and cuts off the mouth of Sauron's head. And he looks at Gandalf and they look shocked and he says, I don't believe it. I will not. Beautiful scene. Beautiful scene. And so at this point, everything is on. Here comes the army. They're coming out to attack them. While this is going on, the Eye of Sauron has looked away, right? He sees that Aragorn is doing something. And so Sauron's distracted. So it looks exactly like Aragorn's plan is working. It allows Frodo and Sam to be able to sneak off, to get running down the plains of Gorgoroth to get to Mount Doom. They get up to Mount Doom and Gollum, of course, shows up. And Gollum's fighting them as they're trying to get up to the top. And and Frodo and Sam are just, you know, they're over it. And And Frodo's like, I've had enough of this. I'm going for it. And, you know, we skip the whole part where Frodo and Sam can barely climb up the 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 uh, side of the mountain because they are just so tired, so out of it. But that's what ends up happening. And it just, you know, it sucks, you know, for them. And at this point, you still got an hour of the film left at this point. <clears throat> and uh, so, you know, basically... Frodo can't go any further, and Sam says, you know, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. Takes him up the side of the mountain, and like I mentioned, Gollum shows up, starts to fight them. And, you know, Frodo at this point is like, I'm sick of this. I'm done. And Sam looks up, and Frodo is bolting it for the top and to get into the uh, crack of doom. As he gets up there, Sam follows him in there, and Frodo is standing on the edge. And he says, Frodo, you know, 
destroy it. Frodo is sitting there listening to what Sam is saying. And as he holds out the ring over, he's looking over. And the ring starts to speak to him like, God, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do this. You know, I, you know, use me, use me, you know, whatever the ring is telling him. And then Sam says to Frodo, just let it go. And this is when this occurs. Frodo turns around and says, no, the ring is mine. Takes off the ring, puts it on. And Sam is heartbroken by what has just happened. Completely heartbroken. And then Gollum, of course, arrives and hits Sam on the head, knocks him out, jumps on Frodo. <clears throat> he jumps on Frodo, finds him, bites his finger off, takes the ring. And then everything, of course, at the battle that's happening starts to go backwards. They're starting to lose. You can tell they're starting to lose. And Gollum gets up, dances around, you know, on the edge. And here we go. We're going to go in a movie study here in just a second on this. He starts to dance around and Frodo sees him and he goes up to him and they start fighting over the ring. And they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So they go over the edge. Difference between movie and book. In the movie, they're fighting over the ring and they both go over the edge. In the book... Frodo is still laying there. Gollum dances and he falls off the edge by himself without Frodo. So at this point, you don't know what's happened. Look over the edge and then, of course, here goes Gollum as he's falling into the fire. He falls into the fire and then the ring just sits on top of the fire. Not moving, not doing anything. And at this point, you've lost your hero, right? He could not do this alone. <clears throat> that was the point of why Sam went with him all this time. But there's a longing within Frodo, you know as this goes on, as the ring gets destroyed, of course the ring does get destroyed and all this destruction starts happening and they've got to get out of there. They've got to run, you know, crap, let's, you know, get out of here. And there's this, just this pain that's going on. And, um, just so much pain in Frodo because he's conflicted because it's like, you know, he's, he's relieved that it's gone, but he's like, I can't believe it's gone. And then, you know, Frodo had gotten to the point to where he couldn't even see the Shire in his own mind, and now he can. So it's like this relief, you know, this, these things that happen. And uh, the battle is over, of course. All the orcs flee, and everything is A-OK -okay on that side. And the eagles come and pick Frodo and Sam up as they're having a conversation about home and and how Sam, you know, thinking about Rosie Cotton. <laughs> and um, and Frodo says to him, you know, Sam, I'm glad you're with me here at the end of all things. Thing is, is like when I went to watch this movie for the first time, it cuts to black right there. 
And I was like, surely, surely this isn't going to be the end, right? And it's not. Cut back to uh, the Eagles showing up. And they take Frodo to uh, Minas Tirith, of course. Frodo wakes up and sees Gandalf, who he's not seen Gandalf in over a year, probably. And uh, he takes him, and they, they they all come in there one by one, each member of the fellowship. And when Sam arrives in there, it's just this exchange, this look like, man, we've been through some crap together, haven't we? And then, of course, everything's at peace and everything's coming together. And the coronation of Aragorn is happening. And, of course, you know, Vigo Mortensen sings the beautiful song and everyone is there. And as he's approaching and leaving, here comes Elrond up to him with Arwen. It's just, it's so beautiful. And they see each other and they kiss and they're together. And as Aragorn is walking around, he sees the, the hobbits and they bow to him. And Aragorn is basically like, no, 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 no. You bow to no one. And everyone bows to Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin at the coronation. And then the movie's not over there. And we go to the Shire. We follow Sam and Frodo and uh, Merry and Pippin home. And this is where I said at the beginning of the study that it would have been really difficult to do the scourging of the Shire because you have all these things happen and you restart up the story again. I mean, at this point, there's like 30, well, probably about 15 minutes left of the movie, maybe. Um, I know the ending, The Day You Mond, is like 20 minutes. So it's just, you know, it's a little lengthy, but I love it. You know, I don't see these as multiple endings. I see this as it has to pay off everything. It, it would be so incomplete. I mean, you're going to go through all this and... You don't see the king get crowned. I mean, that, that, that's crazy. You don't see what ends up with happening with Frodo and Sam. That's crazy. No one wants to not see that. And uh, so Frodo, you know, goes back and just things just aren't the same for him, you know. And I can attest to this in my own life that, you know, I've gone through some things and things just don't feel the same anymore. And it's like you can't pick up these pieces and you can't do all these things. And, and of course, Frodo is finishing his book and he is, uh, you know, or he finishes up his version, you know, The Lord of the Rings and Sam sees it. And, and, and Frodo has this line, he says, how do you pick up the pages of an old life or the, the threads of an old life? And, you know, you, you can't. And, you know, just personally, you cannot pick up old things. You have to let them go. And um, so as Frodo, you know, says these things, he finishes the book. And uh, they go off to the Grey Havens because, you know, the elves have secured Bilbo a spot on there. And so they all go together. Bilbo, of course, is there and he asks, you know, where is it? Where is his old ring? And uh, Frodo says, you know, I'm afraid I lost it. <laughs> and uh, it's supposed to be funny, you know, funny little scene. But 
you can see the look on Frodo's face that, you know, he's still kind of bothered by it. And, uh, you know, so they arrive to the Grey Havens and Bilbo is taken onto the ship and Gandalf and Galadriel and Celeborn and Elrond are all there. And uh, Gandalf, you know, Bilbo goes onto the ship and, and Gandalf says, you know, this is where our fellowship ends. And they're very sad, you know, that they have to go off and without without Frodo and or without um, Bilbo and Gandalf. And, you know, Frodo's just got this look, you know, like like a confused look. And uh, as Gandalf arrives to the ship, he turns around and he says, it is time, Frodo. And at this point, the pain hits Sam, Mary, and Pippin like, no, 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 no. This can't happen. And uh, Frodo says to Sam, you know, he says, Sam, we set out to save the Shire. And it has been saved. But not for me. And what Frodo means by that is that when you go through things and things just aren't the same anymore, you know, like it might have been saved for everyone else and it's the same now for everyone, but it's not the same for me. You know, things aren't the same. I, I became this person. I'm not happy with the person that I became with the ring. And therefore, when I go back, things just won't be the same. I think in the book, you know, he stays for quite a few years, like just, you know, like three or four years or something like that uh, before he actually leaves. So there is some time in between all this, you know, and Sam says to him, you know, you can't leave. You can't leave. As he says, I'm not crying. I'm just trying to uh, impersonate him. But, uh. He he hugs, you know, Sam and and Mary and Pippin, and then he comes back to Sam and he hugs Sam and he kisses him on the forehead and and um and as he's walking towards the boat, you know, he still has this sad look on his face. And if you notice that Frodo He does smile right after, you know, when he sees Mary and Pippin, you know, when they arrive and everyone but if you notice that the whole time in the Dayuman, he keeps this like, you know, frowny face the whole time. And it's not until he walks onto the boat and turns around and sees Mary and Pippin and Sam standing there that he smiles. Because as soon as he walks onto the boat, all that pain, all that grief, everything is gone. And he's been set free of it. Very reminiscent of uh, when you pass into heaven. And uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time right here because I just wanted to get personal for just a minute. And um, I wanted to talk about the passing of my brother last year and how we were able to see him off to heaven or the great heavens, whatever you want to call it. Um, I believe it is heaven, but, you know, I like to say great havens because, you know, I'm so 
deep in this lore. But uh, last year, uh, when my brother passed away, um, we had to write an obituary, of course. And this is where this movie and these books become so important to me and they're so close to my heart. And, um, you know, I felt like the Lord was telling me like, hey, go into the book, go all the way to the back and read when Frodo leaves. And um, I'll never forget sitting there with my family and I, I read it aloud and uh, it helped me to understand where Frodo is at at this point in the story. And it says when Frodo started going on the ship and the ship was going off, it went so far and they entered like this mist and he heard voices singing on the other side of the mist. And it was like the atmosphere changed when he went from one side to the other. And that was comforting to me from, from just losing my brother and, and being at, at that point. So, um, I have said a hundred times that these are not just movies for me. These are life events in life statements for me. No movie will ever touch my heart the way The Return of the King has. I don't, I don't think. I don't ever think it will. And no other movie will hold that special place um, or give me the same feeling that The Return of the King gives me. These movies are masterpieces. These movies are life-changing. If you've not given them a chance, please give them a chance. Suspend your disbelief for a little while, just so you can give them a chance. Because they are worth it. They are totally worth it. A lot of people look at these movies and they look at movies in general and they don't want to let their emotions go. Let your emotions go. Get into the moment. Sink into this world for a little while. And then, at that point, apply it to your life. Find something that you can apply these movies to your life. Because movies, for me, have been helpful. Movies, for me have been when I don't have an answer, I can't come up with words to say, movies have helped me. And to be able to cope with a situation, as this past year, losing my brother. And the thing is that movies have been what has shown me that People go through tragedy. Folk in those stories didn't want to keep going. They wanted to turn back. But they were holding on to something. That there's some good in this world. 
Mr. Frodo. And it's worth fighting for. That is what I have learned this year. Being a Christian, you have hope because of our future in heaven. But dealing with it can be hard. And scripture is always great for you. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that'll help you. It definitely will. But sometimes you just got to suspend your belief for a little while and come out of your hustle and bustle world, come out of the things that you're stressed about and just get into the movie and just be at peace with the movie. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's what helps. I know for me, it absolutely did. And as we wrap up the movie, Sam goes home. He has two kids, and he's married to Rosie, of course, as we've seen in the Deuman. And he utters these words. Well, I'm back. Same words that are at the end of the book, and they're the same words at the end of the movie. And we've done this study. I wanted to start with The Lord of the Rings because it is so near and dear to my heart that I can sit here and talk about the whole thing without having to watch it, even though I have had it in the background watching as we talk. But I wanted to say that as we continue this this series, we're going to talk about what we can learn from these movies and how we can apply them to our lives. That's what we're going to start doing. And I wanted to start with this one first because they're so in-depth. You guys have literally had three and a half, almost four hours of me talking about The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) So that's pretty crazy, right? I don't know how much of this is... um, you know, how long it's taken you guys to get through these. But thank you guys for listening to them and and for participating in this. And we really appreciate that very much. Uh, so as I've announced in other shows, coming up next week, we are having our first family game review podcast that will air on this feed on Friday. There is a live stream coming up this week. I'm not sure when that's going to be done because that is my brother Joey's responsibility. That's the things he's going to be doing with you guys. But make sure that you check that out on Friday. Also, if you like the content that you're hearing, please go to patreon.com backslash family Hollywood review and just donate $2 if you feel led. $2 to this cause every month that helps us put out more shows and more content helps us get new equipment, helps us do everything, reach out, have more interviews with people that we're trying to do. We have a huge interview coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, We have two huge interviews coming up in the next two weeks, and we're really looking forward to that. Really excited about all that kind of stuff, and uh, we hope you guys will support us and help us make this more possible and help us to be able to do this a little bit more. But guys, with that, we are off. Tune in on Tuesday night 
as we're doing our live stream, and we are going to talk about some movie news. We are going to talk about our five favorite soundtracks of all time. We're going to do that. We're going to have some fun. My buddy Sean is going to be on, my buddy Bud, and my buddy David. We're all going to be on talking about the five favorite soundtracks of all time. Guys, thank you once again for tuning in. Thank you for listening, spending time with me. God bless you guys, and we will see you next time. Oh, and always remember to keep your family first.